Hey Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. If you're new to the show, welcome. My name is Stacy, and I am the co-founder and host of the Business Casual with my younger sister, Mariana. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. I know you have a lot of options for podcasts these days, so I appreciate you tuning in and pressing play on ours. If you follow us on Instagram, you or have, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you would know that we had our first ever live event this past Monday, and I am still on cloud nine from it. I truly cannot put into words what it meant to see everyone who's in our business casual community in person. The fireside chat was amazing with Natasha Kaufman. Our panel gave such great advice and insights from their learnings and their careers across entrepreneurship, finance, CPG, ALK, and retail. And I just can't believe that what we started two and a half years ago has grown into something that is beyond our wildest dreams. And this is only the beginning. I think I'm going to do a whole episode on the event and just I don't think I've ever done a real episode on why we started Business Casual and how we started. I think I've gone on a lot of other podcasts and talk about how I started my own, but never on my own podcast. So I think I want to do a whole episode just more about you know, why we started, what our mission is, how we've grown, and really what our goals are for the future. But I think in-person events are definitely core to building community, and building community has always been the mission of Business Casual, and we want to provide everyone listening with the tools and resources needed to succeed in today's workplace and business world and succeed in entrepreneurship. So I just couldn't release this episode without mentioning the event and thanking our sponsors again, our gold sponsor, Summer Fresh. We had our bronze sponsor, Agoracom, the FBI Group, Longos, and NASDAQ. We also had over nine in-kind sponsors. We had Marlowe, Halfridge Collective, Splash Water, Daydream Drinks, Athletic Greens, which we're also going to talk about later in the episode, Balzac's Coffee. I think that was everyone. But yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who came. And for those of you who couldn't make it or aren't from Toronto, thank you for your messages of support and kind words after and before the event. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, check out our Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at business.casual.podcast. We're also on LinkedIn and TikTok where we posted some behind the scenes content. So stay tuned. This is not the end of in-person events. This is only just the beginning. And if you did come and we got the chance to meet, it was so lovely meeting you and I cannot wait for our next in-person event. But that brings us to today's episode. And today I'm joined by a friend of mine and a very special mentor who worked with me, or I worked with her, I should say, two years ago when I was a summer intern at Nestle Canada. She was not my direct manager, but she really took on that role and was the person who I went to when it came to work all the time. And now that I'm not working with Nestle, I still go to her a lot. She is so down to earth and has such great advice and insights. And I really feel like I can relate to her. And I feel like she really knows what it is like being a young woman navigating the business world in today's context. And so today's episode is a little bit different than what we have usually do on the business casual. We focus a lot on LinkedIn and talking more about a coffee chat. And I think it's really interesting to hear Naomi's perspective. I think she's very honest and real about what it is like to be a marketing manager, especially in CPG, and to be inundated with messages from students or people who are trying to get into these big Fortune 500 or Fortune 100, I should say, companies. So I think that Naomi's advice is very honest and very unfiltered. We also, at the end of the episode, read some LinkedIn stories that I found online. So today's episode is a little different than what we usually do, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. I really want to experiment with different types of episodes to keep our content relevant and exciting and refreshing every single week. So if you like the episode today and the different style that we did, please let me know. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And without further ado, I'd love to tell you a little bit more about Naomi. So Naomi is an experienced marketing professional with a strong background in brand strategy, digital marketing, and consumer behavior. She currently serves as the assistant marketing manager at Nestle Canada, where she is responsible for all things Easter, which talk a little bit about as Easter season is coming. Prior to joining Nestle, Naomi worked as an assistant marketing manager at Rich Products, or Rich Products, maybe I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, and she also worked as a marketing project manager at Richmond Day, which is a full-service marketing agency, 
And I don't know if we touched on it in this episode, but I know having spoken to Naomi a ton, she attributes a lot of her current success to what she learned in those early days at the marketing agency. Naomi holds a master's degree in business management with a focus on marketing discipline from the Schulich School of Business at York. And she also holds a honor specialization in business management and organizational studies and nutrition from Western University. I am so excited and honored to welcome Naomi to the show. Hey, Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. I'm very excited to introduce you to today's guest. This episode is probably two years in the making, actually. This is a long-awaited guest for myself and someone who I admire and I'm very excited to have on the show today. So I want to welcome Naomi to the show. Hi, Naomi. Hey, Stacy. What's up? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. And uh, I'm pumped that it's actually like finally nice weather out. It just feels like the perfect day two years later to finally sit down and do this. I completely agree. And so should we give a little backstory of how we know each other? Yes. I'm going to start and then you can just like jump in. So Naomi was my, she wasn't technically my manager. Well, she was. You were my, were you? No, you weren't. Were you? Uh, not manager adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. But basically the person I went to all throughout my summer internship two summers ago when I was at Nestle. And the specific moment where I knew that I could really trust Naomi and I really felt safe with her was when we worked from home. It was the summer of COVID or summer after COVID. It was the summer. Everyone was working from home. There was nothing in the office. And it was the Aritzia summer sale. And I was texting her on Teams and I was like, hey, like it's the Aritzia summer sale. Like if you want to get anything. And she was like, oh, my cart is full. She's like, I'm redoing my whole wardrobe. And I was like, I relate to you on the level now. Like we have passed the level of just it's still professional, but like this is I trust you with everything in my life. That's so funny. I completely didn't think about that, but now that I think back to like credit card statements, I'm definitely <laughs> gonna blame you for that one. Um oh my gosh, yeah, that was amazing to have you as a summer student. You definitely set the bar, which is kind of as we're bringing in summer students and, and inter- interviewing and going through that whole process again, you've, you've really set the bar super high. So we have some amazing candidates for this year, but uh, you're my first summer student as well. So yeah, that's true. I love yeah. that. I love being the first one. <laughs> and do you want to share really quickly what your current role is? Because when we worked together, Naomi was on a different team and now she's moved teams. So maybe give a, actually, it's probably really busy for you right now because we're approaching Easter. It is. It's super busy. So when I first joined uh, Nestle, I worked as an assistant marketing manager on the food service side of the business. But one of the really amazing things about Nestle is there's so many opportunities because they own different we call them business units. So you have an opportunity to work on so many different businesses all with the same company and really gain a lot of experience. So I started on food service and for the past four or five months or so, I switched over to the retail side of the business. And now I'm working on the Easter desk. So specifically for confectionery products, uh, I'm working across all of our confectionery brands. So Kit Kat, Coffee Crisp, Arrow, Smarties, specifically for the Easter season. And it's definitely getting really busy. Easter's super early this year, but yeah. we have some amazing products. I'm so I'm so excited. That's so good to hear. And so what is a typical day? Like what are some projects? Is it mainly, are you client-based? I feel like sometimes when we hear these roles, it's like, what does it actually mean? What do you actually do? Like, what are some tasks that would be under your position? Yeah, I think it's really... An important distinction when I was going through school, I think when in my undergrad, I always thought marketing and advertising were kind of the same thing and kind of learn marketing, I guess, from both perspectives. So you understand like the financial side of it when you take finance, but you also get to take some maybe creative courses in your undergrad. But um, just the distinction was really important for me because I started my career in agency side on the advertising side of the business. So that's more so. If you're a really creative person and like coming up with campaigns, that's kind of where you'd want to be. I'm not saying that my job now isn't creative. It's just creative in different ways where you get to be creative with the types of products that you're bringing in or things that you're working on. So a little bit more maybe strategic versus traditionally creative, I would say, the difference between marketing and advertising, but really, really enjoy it. So that doesn't really answer your day in the life question, but no, that's okay. um, I feel like everyone's like everyone every day is like a little bit different. But it is yeah. true. It's hard to even out when people are like, "Oh, what type of marketing are you doing?" I don't really know what type of marketing I'm doing yet because I haven't started the job. I feel like once I start the job, I'll know more. At the exact moment, I think I'm doing more brand uh, activation. 
So in, mm-hmm. like in retail activations, whereas this summer I was doing a little bit more brand equity. Yeah, brand like equity. That's product marketing. Yeah. And so I think there's just so many different ways that you can take marketing. And you've had different roles because you're on the agency side and then you're at a different company, also in confectionery. Have they all been on marketing or were they? They've all been marketing. Okay. So I've definitely stuck with marketing. I really love it. There's different, I to your point, different types of marketing you can go into. I think for someone coming out of school, I did feel that it was really important to get that agency experience because especially if you don't know where you want to go, it kind of helps you get a little bit of a, a taste of everything. And there's so many amazing agencies in Toronto and in anywhere that you could potentially work for. And it kind of lets you understand what kind of marketing you want to go into, whether it's product marketing, whether you want to be more so sitting in an agency working on like strategy, those kinds of things. So yeah, I think that uh, that was kind of my path, not saying that's the only path to take. I know some people start directly from undergrad and move into a CPG company or, or corporate as they call it versus agency. So like, like you're doing. So there's, there's a lot of different avenues you can take. And I'd say there's like no one right path, but I've definitely always kind of been in marketing. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And today we're talking a lot about LinkedIn. LinkedIn mm-hmm. is a platform we've talked a lot about on Business Casual and like short snippets here and there. I feel like everyone's always like LinkedIn, but I really wanted to like dive into LinkedIn. And I feel like you're the perfect person to do this with because I feel like we chat a lot about different things in business and Naomi has helped with like negotiating, helping me negotiate with different things. Has always like kind of been my like soundboard as like from the business perspective and like being in corporate and being in marketing. And so I don't want to like give this person any more attention, but if you guys follow us on Instagram, which you should, business.casual.podcast, we had a little LinkedIn fiasco that happened a couple weeks ago now, probably over a month ago by the time this episode is posted. And we got a LinkedIn hate comment and it just kind of started, the wheels started turning in my head on what kind of a platform LinkedIn is and how some people don't necessarily use it for the purposes of it is. But before we get into that, let's just start on what are your thoughts on LinkedIn? Because I feel like people either love it or they hate it. Some people think that it's toxic positivity. Some people think that it is superficial. I'll let you go first and then I'll add, I'll I'll kind of share my, my thoughts. I mean, LinkedIn is a social media platform. So I think with anything that has to do with social media, you always have to take it with a grain of salt. And I would say I'm definitely a LinkedIn advocate from a career perspective, especially when you're applying for roles or if you're someone who is looking to hire someone for roles, you'll always notice that someone checks your LinkedIn from the company that you're applying to. So I do think it's a very valuable tool and making sure it's up to date is really important, specifically if you are applying and making sure that everything that maybe you couldn't conceive in a resume is on your LinkedIn profile, all those additional things that you couldn't fit into that kind of one page. However, that being said, I think sometimes it is treated like a too much of a social media platform versus a business platform. And the internet is super permanent. I remember (laughs) when social media first came out and there was a meeting in in first year university and everyone kind of like sat everybody down and had a whole discussion about how like what you put on the internet stays there forever. So I just think that we've gotten so used to sharing our every deepest innermost thought and people maybe don't necessarily realize that that that's on there and that's your brand and that's how you represent yourself. And is that something that you want to be putting out there? So I'm not against LinkedIn. I just think you need to be really careful how you use it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think what you said there, like the fine line between being a professional platform and being a social media is sometimes blurred. And I feel like some people use it for different purposes. If your brand, if you are, you know, a self-help motivational person and you create content in that area, it you can use LinkedIn in a different way than if you're job hunting. So I think you also have to kind of know who your audience is, what you're trying to get out of the platform. But for you as a hiring manager and someone who goes through hiring summer students and maybe even looking at other full-time roles, what makes a LinkedIn profile stand out? And maybe what are some things that should be improved? Or not, that's not about, that's a terrible way of wording it. What are some things that make a profile stand out versus not stand out to you? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Always have a picture. I know not everyone likes to have a picture, but I think it's really important to have a picture and a picture that's like up to date that like actually looks like you. So, uh, and something that's like linked in appropriate, like a headshot or uh, not something you might use on your Instagram as your Instagram photo. Maybe you don't want to use that as your LinkedIn photo. Um, I also think it's really important to keep it up to date and just kind of, you know, have a few bullet points about your experiences. So maybe you went to University of Toronto and you went to the Robin School of Business and you took this program. Well, what does that mean for employers? What value add can they get specifically from your experiences? Maybe you worked as an assistant marketing manager at Nestle. Why is that important? And and kind of what skills did you learn there that you think is transferable into the types of roles you're applying? I think being really intentional is important because everything's going to kind of draw back to whatever role you're applying for. You want to make sure that you're, you're able to kind of convey that you add value. For sure. And I think a lot of times there's a lot of, there's a lot of spots on LinkedIn. Like you can add information in a lot of different areas. And like you said, you can add information like under education, you can add it under the jobs you've had. You have like that whole about me section. Is there ever a point where it's kind of too much and like you shouldn't add, like if you're in university, this is a question people always ask me. It's if I'm in high school or I'm in university, can I have things that I did in high school? And I mean, I think it depends on what year you're in. If you're in first year, then maybe that's fine. But I think if you're in fourth year, I mean, I think even now for me getting into the workplace, I have to reevaluate my LinkedIn. And there's a lot of stuff that I did like in first and second year of university that aren't really relevant anymore that I need to take off. I feel like constantly updating it is also really important. A hundred percent. And Maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but when I'm looking at someone else's LinkedIn, I'm not like there to kind of read their autobiography. So I don't necessarily think more is more. I think less is, you know, a few key points that you really want to convey and just keep it short and sweet. And do you care if people post on LinkedIn? Like, do you ever look, like, does it help to get you more noticed if you're like more active on the platform? Or is it kind of like from an employer's perspective, looking at it, you're like, okay, I see that you have you did this job before, you went to the school. I kind of get a gist of who you are. Like, do you actually look if someone is active on the platform? I personally don't. I think I do think it does help with specifically for recruiters. If recruiters are searching LinkedIn of someone they feel might be a really good candidate for a role, I think they're going to search by keyword specifically. So if you have a keyword in your profile that they're looking for, you'll probably pop up in their searches. But in terms of actually posting updates and things like that, I personally am not a fan of that unless you're sharing something that you really want to gain awareness for like you're building a brand or you know what I mean I think posting little birthday comments and things like that on LinkedIn I don't think that that's I've seen I've seen everything I don't think it's uh I don't think it's relevant yeah and what about when you're not actively on the hunt for a job do you have any like as someone who's in the workplace and has been in the workforce for a while do you use LinkedIn still as much as you do when you're kind of maybe recruiting for roles or from like just a personal career perspective? Like how do you use LinkedIn when you're not necessarily actively recruiting for roles? Yeah, I think my mindset is that I'm not looking for a job right now. I love my job. I want to grow with where I am right now, but I'm also never not in the mindset of looking because I think it's really important to always make sure that you understand kind of where you fit within the current landscape and making sure that you are kind of setting that standard for yourself. So if you understand Mm -hmm. that someone in your role maybe has these key responsibilities and someone, a role that's a manager level higher than you has these key responsibilities and your current day job, your not necessarily acting like your current position, your responsibilities are like a higher position, then you know, hey, maybe it's time to ask or maybe it's time to understand, okay, how do I get to that level? You already have a lot of those responsibilities. How can your current employer help you get there? I think it's really important to constantly make sure that you're keeping up with the key roles and responsibilities of the industry standard, maybe not so much your organization, of course, wherever you're working, but also how you fit into like, Canadian marketers, if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. And it's it's interesting because I feel like, and this is something that's come up a lot on the podcast as well, is we talk a lot about how do you get the job and then you're in the job and it's kind of like, what do you do from here? And there isn't, obviously there's not a rule book for anything, but I feel like there's a lot of resources out there for, okay, here's how to get your first job. 
then and after that, it's kind of like, how do I know when I should be asking for a raise? How do I know when I am? I mean, some people might just feel I've been in this role for a long time. I'm looking for a new challenge, but others might not know when exactly that line is. So I kind of want to dig deeper on this topic in terms of growing within an organization. What have you done to help support you to get where you want to go in your current company in terms of like advocating for yourself, knowing what open roles there are within an organization and kind of making sure that you are going to be considered when new roles open up? Yeah, it's a, I think it's a really important question for women specifically. I don't think we advocate for ourselves enough. And I remember seeing something that, let's say there's a job posting, women will not apply for it unless they are 100% sure they meet yeah. every single qualification. Whereas men, they, they're like, ah, I meet like 50, 60% of it. They'll just apply. Yeah. So I'm definitely something I will always work on and, and still am actively working on. But I think there's kind of two caveats to this. The first is finding someone in your field who you can trust and rely on, you know, has good intentions for you and leveraging them as a mentor, maybe not even just one person, maybe several people that you can kind of go to and someone who's been there before and they kind of understand your position because personally, when I feel like I'm ready to move on, sometimes maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not done learning. Maybe I just need to kind of move to a different segment of the business or think about it in a different way. There are still things that I need to work on that maybe I wasn't cognizant of. So I think having that mentor, someone to kind of tell you, hey, like, have you thought about this is really important. I think the other side of it is asking because we aren't necessarily, uh, maybe I should say, I'm not necessarily great at asking when you apply for the job. How do you know how much to ask for? How do you know what when you should ask? How do you know, should you be getting a signing bonus? Should you not? Kind of nobody wants to talk about what they're making. I think pay equity is a huge portion of that. But I'm trying to shift my mindset to the, what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? They're going to say no. So my mindset that I'm trying to shift to is ask, not being afraid to kind of ask that question. But in terms of understanding how you know when you're ready to move up, I think, or sometimes it's move on. Maybe you're ready to move on from a company. I don't think we li really live in the world anymore where someone works at an organization for like 15 to 20 years. Yeah. But uh, I had a mentor tell me, when you feel like you could teach someone else your job, end to end and explain the entire everything that you do effectively and then like present it back to someone that's kind of when you know that you're ready for the next level so when you have a th really thorough understanding and grasp kind of all those nuances I'm not in that position yet in my current role because I kind of just moved into it but I think that having a good idea of where I want to be is going to help me get there I think one key theme when everything you just said has all to do with self-awareness mm. and this is a topic, I think I'm going to do a whole separate episode on this, but when I was at Harvard last week at the conference, self-awareness is a topic that came up so much. A lot of the advice that was given went back to being self-aware and self-aware and I think means like a lot of things. I think on the one side, it's self-aware of you need to be asking for things. Like if you're not self-aware enough to say, if, let's say you're complaining about your job and you're complaining that you don't feel that you make as much as you could be, for example. If you're not asking, then no one is just going to give it to you. Being self-aware of like, okay, am I asking for the things I want? And then the other side, being self-aware in have I learned everything I can? Am I looking at, at these positions from the same lens? Like, should I be switching my mindset? I don't know if that exactly makes sense. I haven't done a ton of research onto this topic, but I just feel like that's kind of like a key theme in terms of like what this topic is. And I've never thought about, and I don't think anyone this far in my career has given me the advice of like learning how to be self-aware, but it's honestly really been in my head the last couple of weeks of like, what does it mean to be self-aware and how does that relate to my career? Yeah. And I think there's really good tools as well that can, can you can kind of test how self-aware you are. So there's things like some organizations will do like disc profiles and there's online profiles you can do as well to kind of understand, okay, um, where are my strengths? Like it's like a questionnaire you'll do maybe okay. like, it's like a 30 minute questionnaire from like a maybe more business lens. And I think it helps you, un it kind of puts you into a 
segment and kind of tells you, okay, based on your strengths, this, these are the areas that you really good at from, from a work perspective. And then based on your weaknesses, these are some areas that maybe you need to work on. So for me personally, um, the segment that I fit into, I know that my strength is kind of harmony and communication and, and kind of making sure that things get done effectively and also making sure that things get done from a political standpoint, right? Making sure everyone feels heard, everyone's opinions are validated. So I do know that's my strengths, but then you can't be good at everything. So what are some things I need to work on? So uh, it kind of gives you a really holistic point of view. And I think whether you agree or not with the outcome of that kind of can tell you how self-aware you are and understanding where your areas that you need to work on are. So. I think even as a teammate, and I mean, you could talk about this because you've had like interns or people that you have kind of like managed people that even when you're working with someone else, when someone else is more self-aware, it makes it more enjoyable for everyone to work with that person. Because if there are issues or if there are disputes or disagreements, I feel people who are more self-aware have an easier time solving problems or disagreements rather than people who are not self-aware because they always think that they are not necessarily the problem that everyone else needs to change. And that's probably like the hardest person to deal with. So I guess my question here is as an intern or a summer student or someone who's new to a job or someone who, you know, has, I mean, everyone has a manager. So what are some things that you can do maybe in whether it's a new manager or you like just started this role to kind of set off a good relationship with a manager or like to keep open communication, to like build trust. What are some things that you really like that summer students or people do when you are the manager? Yeah, I think one of the key things is to be proactive. Someone coming in for just a very short time period in the year there's already a lot of things going on. So as much as we keep everyone busy and, and kind of give tasks, if you do find, okay, um, of course, ask questions as much as possible. I think that's the really only way that I personally learn and I appreciate when people ask questions, but being proactive to kind of, okay, setting up one-on-one time weekly, maybe you want to meet with your manager once a week to make sure, and maybe your manager will set this up for you, but booking those meetings, being proactive. And if you notice something, maybe you put together a little deck on what you noticed and then your recommendation. I think adding value outside of the very specific job tasks, even if it's just to practice putting a deck together or practice having a one-on-one with a manager, something like that. I do think it's really valuable and also helps your manager uncover, I guess, maybe your interest areas. Maybe they'll give you more projects based on kind of what you've shared with them or things you've uncovered. So I think my biggest recommendation there is just be as proactive as possible. And it's hard, like sometimes as an intern, because you don't really know where you fit in. You're not like you never want to overstep. You never want to be like, oh, I feel like I I don't know enough about the business. But I think also that's – I have been told that that is my advantage, that I haven't been in the business as long as everyone else. So if I see something is inefficient and I give a recommendation, maybe that recommendation has been given before, but maybe now we're at a time where we can revisit that and we can maybe – or maybe people are so used to doing something the same way that they've never thought to reinvent it. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel in any way. Like, I don't know. I never reinvented the wheel anywhere I went as an intern. But I just think that even in like very simple ways, you can kind of add value that you might not think are really adding value. Does that kind of make sense? I feel like I'm talking in circles. No, it 100% makes sense sense. And I can give an example. When me and Stacey worked together, we did a photo shoot for one of our new product launches. And it was quite the photo shoot, guys. This was a really (laughs) eventful day. Yes, it was quite the photo shoot. Lots of sugar. But Stacey was tasked with, Stacey, I need you to take pictures of just kind of what's going on. That was her job. And so that was the task that was assigned. But Stacey, you were thinking, I'm speaking of like you, like you're not talking to me right now, but you thought multiple steps ahead and said, okay, well, it doesn't just make sense for me to have the photos. Like I need to upload them somewhere. I need to make sure they're accessible. I need to make sure everyone knows where they are and it needs to be in a place where people can find them. So you made a new folder and you sent everybody the link to make sure they had it. And then you organized everything by brand to make sure that all. So I think there's so many things you can do and being proactive to your point doesn't necessarily mean inventing like a new system in four months of your internship, but things that you can do to help and your point of having a fresh perspective. I think that's also so important because sometimes we're so siloed in our thinking and having an intern that hasn't 
has only experienced products from a consumer lens, not from a marketing lens, I think is also invaluable. So yeah, uh, really, really important and, and understanding when to share insights, but making sure you share them. And now on the flip side of this and going back to like the LinkedIn side of things, it can kind of be overwhelming sometimes and you feel that everyone and their mother has an internship. And if you don't have one, it can be really stressful. And also you can feel really behind compared to your peers. What are your thoughts on just tips on how to not compare your journey to anyone else's? And maybe, because I know some people listening to this, maybe they don't have an internship lined up. Maybe they do. What are some other things we can do this summer that are not internship related that can still maybe help us progress in our career? Because I feel like it's a very common thing. Not everyone, there's only so many companies that hire interns and there are way more students than there are opportunities available. So true. And I will say I worked in a bakery all throughout my undergrad. Like I decided I didn't want to do an internship. I wanted to live up north and work in a bakery. And that's what I wanted to do. And it was very fun. And guess what? I still got to where I wanted to be. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's so much pressure now on if you don't get an internship, you're not going to end up in CPG. And if you don't get an internship, you won't get that job at Nestle, at Pepsi, at wherever you're trying to go. And to that question, I would say, so what? I don't necessarily think, of course, you you want to work somewhere that you feel fits your values and is fun and exciting and you love it. And I'm so happy that I am in that role now. But I think that there's a lot of other ways to achieve that. And a success now is so driven by like what you're doing for your career. And I think there's a lot of other ways you can define success. But to your question about what else can you do for internships and different ways to get there? You can always go ad agency. And that's also a door into companies because if you work for an ad agency, they likely have clients that are CPG and then you get to meet a lot of new people and then you end up applying for jobs that way. So the other th- option is to work for a smaller CPG. So that's kind of what I did. I went ad agency, smaller CPG, big CPG. So applying for those smaller uh, food manufacturing companies that kind of allow you to dip your toes in a little bit and really are a great environment to learn. I think that's also really important. You don't need to get your dream job. The minute you graduate from university, you have your whole career to figure out what you want to do and how you want to get there. And I think the advice, and you've probably heard this a million times because I've heard it a million times, is no one's career path is linear. You're not just going to like go like this. It kind of goes like this. And as much as I fought to not believe that and pushed and was like, nope, I'm going to do this and then this and then this, it just doesn't work out that way. And then I don't know, miss anything along the journey because I truly believe that everywhere you go, you're going to learn something, whether or not it's in the exact direction you wanted to, it's going to help you learn something for your next role. So it is not the end of the world not to have an internship. And I think for the people who don't want one, do something that you love. Honestly, I'm the worst person to talk about this because I'm like <laughs> little miss corporate internship girly over here. So I feel like I can't really add anything. I'm, I didn't even know that you didn't have an internship in your undergrad. So I'm glad you can kind of like have a personal, because I always say the same thing. Like when people ask me, I'm like, oh, you don't have to have one. But I know because I was a person. I was like, no, like I need to have one. Like if I don't have one, I'm not going to get where I want to go. And obviously it's hard now because I'm like, well, yeah, this led to this and that led to that. And that was my my journey. And I think I learned a lot being at Nestle. And even my internship between Nestle and Molson were so different because Nestle was such a big company and Molson was such a smaller company. Well, compared to the office size and how many yeah. interns they had, it was like way different. And so – I think it's so hard to to talk on this topic, but I think if I could go back, maybe it would have been smart to take off a summer and like just worked on the podcast for a year. I don't know. Obviously now it can be like, oh, what if, what if, what if? But I definitely agree. I think there's a lot of other things that you can do outside of just having an internship. Actually, I was talking to a first year student at Rotman and she had a slime business when she was in high school that did really well. It was one of those like popular ones on TikTok. She had like almost 100,000 followers and she stopped it because then school started again. And she was like, I couldn't find an internship. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And I was telling her, why don't you just do that full time? That's clearly something you like. It was so successful when you were doing it. And she messaged me last week. This was about before Christmas. And then she messaged me last week and said that she's going to do it full time for the summer to see how it goes. And I was so happy. I felt that I really made an impact on helping her decide. And I'm sure it wasn't only me. There's probably a lot of impacts and factors, but 
I think that if you do have an idea, summer is also the best time to start it because you're not going to have more time than you do when you're a student. And I feel like I'm so guilty of this. I'm like, oh, I'm so busy right now. I'm way less busy now than I'm going to be when I'm working a full-time job because my hours are so flexible. I don't have a set schedule other than going to class. If I want to do my homework now, I can. If I want to do it tonight at three o'clock in the morning, I can because I don't have to get up tomorrow to go to a job. You know, it's like you don't have the responsibilities that you do when you're working full-time. And when you're like seven, eight, nine, ten years into your career, no one's like looking back and it's like, oh, you didn't intern in the summer? Oh, no, we're not going to hire you. So if you have the opportunity and the privilege to travel, I would obviously recommend that as my number one option for summer. But if I I totally understand the need to work because, uh, yep, I was in that boat as well. But there's so many things, like you said, you can do something you love for the summer and you can pull life skills out of anything. So like I, when I was applying for jobs and I worked for a bakery in the summer, I would reference everything I learned in the bakery, how to price things, how to make sure we had enough markup on all our products, how to manage scheduling, things like that. Like you can pull anything out to apply to a job. I think it's just to be cognizant. Knowing how to do that. And of knowing how to, to do to that. sell yourself and like have a personal brand, which yeah. is also so important. We're now going to take a quick break to talk about this week's sponsor, Athletic Greens. Guys, if you have been listening to the podcast, you know that I love Athletic Greens. I drink it every single morning. And if you were at our event this past week, then you would have gotten an Athletic Greens sample travel pack in your goodie bag. So hopefully you had the chance to try it and see for yourself how amazing it is. I take it every single day and I started taking it because I really wanted to focus on my gut health and really wanted to optimize my immune system, especially during the winter months. I was also hearing about it on almost every single podcast I listened to and I really wanted to see what the hype was about and it did not disappoint. It is just one scoop of athletic greens in your water every single morning and with that, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptions to help you start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, recovery, focus, and aging, literally all the things you could think about. Like I said, it is really easy. And these travel packs, which you actually get with our code, which I'll talk about in a second, you can take with you anywhere. So if you're traveling, if you're going away for a weekend, you don't have to be off your game and worry about not feeling 100% when traveling because you can use that and it's so easy and you can take it wherever you go. Tons of people take some sort of multivitamin and it's important to choose one that is high quality ingredients and that your body will actually absorb. It also costs you less than $3 a day. And this is a big one because I know that a lot of people say that health is really expensive and overwhelming and it can be, but with Athletic Greens, you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It also has over 7,000 five-star reviews. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash businesscasual. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash businesscasual to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I guess to round out this this little conversation on LinkedIn, what are, I know you kind of gave like your top big do's and don'ts, but like any last piece of advice? And then I want to read some of these crazy LinkedIn stories that I found. Do you have any last thoughts on this or advice as maybe someone who is still trying to find a job? and trying to like round out their LinkedIn? Um, This is maybe a bit controversial, but nobody wants to have coffee with you. (laughs) Not you specifically. Don't burst your bubbles. (laughs) No, actually expand on this. Like tell me, I really am curious. This is uh, maybe a harsh way for me to say this. Unless you are super strategic about cold messaging people, I would never recommend reaching out to someone and the message just says, hey, would love to connect for a coffee chat. And then you just like send the message. I think it's more valuable to send one LinkedIn message than 50 asking for a coffee chat. So 
being super strategic. Do they know someone you know? Can you talk to the other person, ask them to kind of refer you? So that's kind of like your foot in the door. Can you research some of their career and be super specific about why you want their time? On Um, average, how many messages like that do you get? Let's say a month or like in general, like how often do you get messages like that? Because I think when we're talking about a company like Nestle, that's a really, really global brand. I would imagine you get so many messages from people that might not even be relevant to applying to the Canadian Toronto office specifically. Minimum three a week. Minimum. Three a week. That's and how like many do you, do you answer any? Do you have coffee chats or are you someone that just <laughs> I do. I do have coffee oh, chats. You, you do, I, okay. I think I can't I can't preach this and then not come back on my word. So but I will say that you're strategic uh, for what you what you give your time to. Yeah. And and yeah. And, and if you're doing like minimum if you're doing like five coffee chats a week that's like five hours you know and it's a lot of time and I value my weekends as everybody does but I think and I I will say like I'm only an AMM imagine someone who's like a director of marketing and maybe it's too intimidating so maybe they get less messages I don't really know how that works maybe I'm uh, approachable because I'm more junior but I, I do think that being super intentional and then when you come to a coffee chat be super prepared. Like you have to be. Nobody wants to answer the like. So like, what's the f- your favorite part of your job? Like no, like that's not an intentional question. Like understanding why do you want to meet with this person for a coffee chat? What specifically do you want to get out of this conversation? What are you hoping to learn? And do not go in with the mindset of like, can you refer me? Can you pass my resume on to someone? I just think that the first time you're talking with someone, you're trying to build that relationship, but really it should be informational. You're trying to provide, get value for both of you. So I, I think that it needs to be super strategic. And so the point of the coffee chat is because honestly, even for me, I kind of stopped doing coffee chats now because I feel like with the podcast, that's my coffee chat, that this is my opportunity to interview someone who I think is very cool and has been very successful in their career and ask them my questions. I haven't done like a regular coffee chat. Actually, that's such a lie. What am I saying? I literally have a coffee chat right after this, but that's for something completely different. It's not like business career related. So anyways, okay, I'm going on tangent. If you're trying to get a job, let's say I want to work at Nestle and I have a coffee chat with you, what should I be asking? Like, what is the point of these coffee chats? Do they even help in your perspective of getting jobs? Like from your experience, obviously, I know you can't speak for every single role at Nestle, but are they worth it? Like, should people spend their time, in your opinion, like have they, uh, yeah. I would say 10% of the time they're helpful. I think the, the reason why I say nobody wants to have coffee is because nobody wants to just have coffee. You know what yeah. I mean? They're giving yeah. you their time because they're trying to help you. And right. if you're going into a coffee chat with the mindset of like, oh, I'm just going to like talk to this person about like nothing for 15 minutes and then we'll like have this connection and they'll help me get a job. Like that's yeah. not how that's not how it works. Um I think if you have really specific questions, so you see a posting online and it's you find someone who has that exact role that you're trying to apply for or a similar role at the same company and you've gone through the entire resume and you have very specific questions about, okay, what does this mean? What do they mean when, when they ask this, when you have to have this qualification? Like how important it is, is it? How else could I meet this this? I don't know, skill set with what I've been doing in my role. And you know what I mean? Being super specific, I think is important. And then maybe just asking questions. I think it's, everyone likes to talk about themselves. I think asking like people about their career experiences, you also learn. And that's kind of also how I learned that things aren't always linear. And I think it'll surprise you. I mean, you've had a lot of coffee chats, so maybe it won't surprise you. But it surprised me that people who are very senior have had very different career paths when they first started. So I think that's important to note as well. It's also funny, as you were talking, I was thinking about when I was, especially when I was at Nestle and I posted my first podcast, like it was a solo episode about my internship and I had gotten so many messages asking for people to have a coffee chat. And what got me is that everything was in the episode. I was like, no, just listen to the podcast. Like I'm not trying to plug my own podcast here, but the the answers are in there. Like if you actually care about the answers, it's all there. You don't have to ask me anything else. And even for Molson, I got a couple and I was like, a couple of times at the beginning, I was like, oh yeah, we'll chat. And then it got to the point where I was like, this is literally all in the episode. Like why? And then I was like, okay, no one's even listening to this episode. They're just reaching out to me first. And after that, I was like, no, sorry. You have to go to the episode. If you have more questions after you've listened, feel free to message me. But other than that, because they were just the same questions that were I 
answered all of them in the, the podcast episode. Do your research. Do your research with who you're asking for a coffee chat. Yeah, it, it's definitely it, – there's two sides. Like, it's it's hard. I, I know – yeah, I feel so hypocritical saying it because my whole brand is built off coffee chats and so many people have been nice to give me the time and effort and their valuable time. But I agree with what you're saying. If you're intentional with who you're reaching out to and you're not just sending out blanket texts then or messages, then you will get the response you want. Yeah, you can't just put a blanket message out there and say – hi, please. Or the ones where it's like, hi, can I please have a job at Nestle? I don't think coffee chats aren't valuable. I think they're really valuable and super important to your point if you're strategic. So yeah, um, if you're doing it right. Yeah, exactly. A sleigh, a coffee chat sleigh. Well, I don't really know if this is relevant at all, but or or if people are going to like this, but I found some little LinkedIn messages that I just thought were, I don't know if they're funny. I don't know. We're just going to try it. Maybe we'll cut this out. Maybe it's not even make it to the final cut, but I don't even know how to do this. Okay. Let's just read one. This is what I found. So I'm not going to say any of the names because that's not necessary. Mm -hmm. So this person made a LinkedIn post and said, it's March Madness. If you have time to watch the LSU versus St. Bonaventure game today, you have time to watch a past demo or an hour long sales training course. Make time to scale up today. Do better. Basically saying that you should not watch TV and instead should only only be listening to sales courses. That's giving a little bit toxic. It's not not giving work-life balance. I agree. And I feel like everyone's using LinkedIn like as a social platform, but to like plug business products and like just the same as people don't want ads on Instagram. Nobody like wants ads on LinkedIn. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm alone in that. But yeah, maybe they maybe we should have done some like consumer testing for that one one out. I don't know. Also on this topic, do you get a lot of? I get so many sales messages. I don't know if it's because I have like founder. Like okay, you get the same ones as me. They are very that actually is a big peppy of mine. I hate getting those messages from people. And now I'm like, I try so hard to not accept the follow requests. I try and like weed it out but a few still get in and they're very annoying i also feel like those linkedin mails are just like not targeted like someone's trying to sell me uh a, a service or a platform for like something that has nothing to do with me or my job yeah and it's like are you being intentional about sending these it just feels so off and like a waste of that company's money as well yeah oh those ones bother me okay here's how this one's a bit longer Today, I interviewed a candidate on a Zoom call. It was for a highly paid position in my Fortune 500 company. She had a stellar resume and came highly recommended. There was something she didn't have, though. Confidence. She apologized five times during the interview for the background noise. She apologized three times for her children trying to get her attention. She even apologized for not having any makeup on. Listen, you do not need to apologize for everything. For the most part, we all get it. We are all right here with you. You do not have to be sorry for the background noise and certainly not for your kids, but you should be sorry about the makeup. It's not that hard to put on lipstick. It takes two seconds. No amount of credentials make up for someone looking washed out on a video call and unprofessional. She did not get the job. I don't know if this is legit. This might be made up, but this is a screenshot from someone's profile. Oh my gosh. That is super concerning if that's not, um, because when you get the job, uh, looks don't matter. Why do looks matter? They don't, but. Uh, also when you get the job like no one's wearing lipstick on a call like now you know what I mean like you're lucky if you're wearing an actual real sweater and not a t-shirt and or a hoodie or something you know working from home that's just the reality I'm very curious if this was like a oh it must have been during COVID because the interview but yeah also, it was during COVID also that like, is, girls support girls I yeah like this is actually a woman who wrote this and it's other I was surprised I thought, it was, thought you were gonna say it was a man no it was a woman sad I hope it's fake, but I don't know. Okay, this one I feel like is just a very common one, but it was like a LinkedIn message request and it said, hey, would love to connect. I just came across you on Bumble, LOL. No, LinkedIn is not a dating app. LinkedIn is not a dating platform across so the board. Just like so inappropriate. And I actually was trying to do some research on if LinkedIn has had any, and they have like made statements, but they have also not done anything on their end to kind of prevent messages like that from happening because in my opinion that person should be blocked from using linkedin if you're gonna use it as a dating platform like just get off you your account should be blocked and you should not be allowed to be on it oh 
oh my gosh, that is not the place to connect with someone that you met on a dating app. That's so awkward. Immediate. Yeah. Agree with you. Immediate block. And, um, hopefully you never have to work with that person. Hopefully you're never in an interview and they're the one hiring you. Yeah. That'd be immediately. No. Okay. This is one of the last ones, but this person said he's a LinkedIn. Actually, I actually followed this person on LinkedIn and I unfollowed after I saw this on, it was on a Forbes article and he's talking about people using LinkedIn, LinkedIn superiority. And his, the whole post is just, you have a better chance of getting into Harvard than having me accept your connect, connection request. Think about that for a second. Interesting. Very uh, confident, yes. for lack of better words. I don't understand like the safeguarding of like LinkedIn connections. If someone like is trying to be sincere with their invite, like what's the harm in adding them to like your network? You know what I mean? Like it's almost like people want to have like a lot of followers on Instagram and then no followers on LinkedIn. Yeah, I don't really understand that either. I thought maybe it's because people don't want like an influx of messages, but I totally agree with you. Although I need to fix my my LinkedIn because somehow I did some sort of setting and now like it's follow me instead of connect with me. And it's really weird. I actually, that's my to-do list. Because now there's like some sort of follow feature and I'm like, no, no, I don't want this. This is looks weird. But I totally agree with you. I don't know why. Also, why is that like a flex to have people not be able to connect with you that you're so unreachable? But you know what? Everyone, they do them. Okay, last question on business casuals. Always, what is one piece of advice you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given that's really stuck with you? I know you've given a lot of advice throughout the whole episode, but what's your favorite? And it doesn't have to be career related. It could be just in general. Everyone always says, like, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I think that everyone needs to work and... (laughs) And you need to love, like what you do, but I don't think necessarily that, like, obviously I, for example, I love baking, but I didn't pursue that as a career because I wanted to keep it as something that I love to do Mm. and as a stress reliever. And for everyone who's kind of thinking in their career, oh, like, I don't know what I should do. Like, I only like doing this, so I don't want to do anything outside of that, um, I think my advice would be just go for it. What's the worst thing that can happen? You don't like it and you try something else. I think especially when you're early in your career, you don't have to get the internship. You don't have to stay in this one career. You don't have to stay in marketing. You don't have to stay. You can do whatever you want and try everything. That's my only advice. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on The Business Casual and chatting all things LinkedIn. We talked about a lot of things. It wasn't just LinkedIn, just general career advice, internship advice, how to have a better relationship with your manager and asking for what you want. And if people wanted to connect with you, don't connect with Naomi. She's not going to answer your coffee chat request. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> be intentional. Be intentional. And I will 100% go for coffee with every <laughs> intentional message. That is my promise. Only right. if you follow business casual though. Otherwise, I'll oh, have a coffee Yeah, that's actually, you. that's the new requirement. It's a prerequisite mm. actually before you get to, to, get to Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Naomi. Thank you for having me.